Welcome to Keith Knight Don't Tread on Anyone and the Libertarian Institute. What I wanted to do was go back and look at who was saying that this Russian invasion of Ukraine would take place and who was on the right side as far as narrowing down the actual cause. It looks like this guy, Ted Galen Carpenter of the Cato Institute, November 12th, 2021, wrote an excellent article titled NATO Arms Sales to Ukraine. The spark that starts a war with Russia? The United States is not the only NATO member that has made destabilizing arms sales to Ukraine. The United States and its NATO allies are busily arming Ukraine and engaging in other actions that encourage the leaders in Kiev to believe that they have strong Western backing in their confrontation with Russia and Russian-backed separatists. The conflict between the Ukrainian government and the separatist forces in the Donbass region, which have remained at a low simmer in recent years thanks to the fragile Minsk agreements, shows unmistakable signs of heating up. That development is exacerbating already dangerous tensions between Kiev and Moscow. There is growing speculation that Russia might even launch an invasion of Ukraine. So the Donbass war is the one that the media is just pretending doesn't exist. Putin wants to take over Ukraine out of nowhere. In summary, the war in Donbass, or the Donbass war, is an armed conflict in the Donbass region of Ukraine, part of the broader Russo-Ukrainian war. In March 2014, immediately following the Euromaidan protest movement and subsequent Revolution of Dignity protests by pro-Russian anti-government separatist groups took place in Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts of Ukraine, collectively called the Donbass. If you look at your screen, you're watching on Odyssey, Mines, Archive, or YouTube, you can see that in the far eastern part of Ukraine, there was heavy, heavy support for Yanukovych, a guy very friendly to Russia. Um, when you go to the western part of Ukraine, you see heavily concentrated support for his opposition, which is uh, the current government that is in power now. This is the result of Amy Klobuchar, Lindsey Graham, Senator John McCain, Victoria Newland, all these Americans going over there in support of these protests to have this government, the sitting regime, now for them to take power in opposition to the Russian-backed forces or uh, Yanukovych supporters, which are in the East. So, yeah, this is going to happen. Just as the Democrats in America were so upset that Putin could have supported Trump or just wanted him to win, whether or not he actually interfered in the election, whatever interfered means. But they explicitly do it in Ukrainian revolutions or any other place in the world. The article goes on. Western leaders are pursuing a reckless strategy that is generating increasingly poignant warnings from Kremlin officials. On two occasions since early April, Russia also made ominous military deployments near its border with Ukraine. Shortly before the earlier episode, the Biden administration had announced a new 125 million arms sale to Ukraine. Although the transaction was put on hold temporarily in June, 60 million of the package was delivered during U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin's visit to Kiev in late October. 
Carpenter cites mainstream sources. So, ABC News, Biden administration announces $125 million in military aid package for Ukraine. Look at Lloyd Austin's Twitter account, at SecDef. Wheels down in Kiev, I'm here to reaffirm our unwavering support for Ukraine's sovereignty, territorial integrity, and Euro-Atlantic aspirations, and to express our commitment to build Ukraine's capacity to deter further Russian aggression, tweeted on October 19, 2021. Article continues. The United States is not the only NATO member that has made destabilizing arms sales to Ukraine. Turkey is equipping the Ukrainian military with drones, and in late October, Kiev's forces launched a drone attack that destroyed rebel artillery barriers in the Donbass. Moscow issued strong protests about the escalation to both Ukraine and Turkey. A new deployment of Russian forces near the Ukrainian border also followed, and U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken expressed concern that Russia might execute a rehash of its 2014 military offensive when Vladimir Putin's government seized Crimea and then provided military support for secessionists in eastern Ukraine. I think the Crimea thing's a non-issue. Basically, they voted to join uh, the Russian Federation. Um, I could see there being costs and benefits. I'm not defending democracy or government or anything else. But the point is, is it's not like he just took it over. And a lot of the uh, vote totals matched a significant amount of independent polling that took place. So uh, it's not like uh, the uh, Hitler that they're trying to make him out to be by annexing, taking over, conquering. Article continues. Arms sales are only one component of the growing support for Kiev on the part of the United States and some of its NATO allies. President Joe Biden has reportedly expressed Washington's commitment to Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity against, quote, Russian aggression. U.S. and Ukrainian troops have conducted joint military exercises, war games, on several occasions, and Ukraine's forces have been included in NATO's military exercises. Indeed, Ukraine hosted the latest version of those maneuvers in September of 2021. In response to Washington's pressure, Ukraine is being treated as a NATO member in all but name. We meet Ukraine. People of Ukraine, this is your moment. Your fight is our fight. 2017 will be the year of offense. All of us will go back to Washington and we will push the case against Russia. The United States aids Ukraine and her people so that we can fight Russia over there and we don't have to fight Russia here. Those two clips you just heard, the first one was of Adam Schiff, a sitting congressman in January of 2020, and the second was sitting Senator Lindsey Graham in Ukraine on his trip there with uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar and Senator John McCain. So there was heavy Western involvement in picking a side against the Russian-backed Yanukovych uh, presidency at the time. The uh, article that uh, Carpenter cites here is from Reuters, uh, September 17th of 20, 
20, it looks like. Ukraine, U.S. military exercises begin as Russia holds drills in Belarus. Article continues, Such actions are needlessly destabilizing. Ukraine's leaders, including President Volodymyr Zelensky, already are making jingoistic statements about regaining Crimea and crushing the separatists in Donbass. The country's official defense strategy document, adopted in March 2021, explicitly includes those goals. Logically, such boasts are without substance. Ukraine's military forces are no match for Russia's in terms of either quality or quantity. However, a belief in U.S. or NATO military support may cause Ukrainian leaders to abandon prudence and mount an ill-starred confrontation, once before, the United States led an overly eager client to assume that it had Washington's backing, and the result was a needless war in which the client emerged bruised and humiliated. Also, it was the cause of the Second World War, as people like Pat Buchanan clearly illustrate in his book Churchill, Hitler, and the Unnecessary War, which I've summarized on this channel. Basically, Poland had no incentive to negotiate with Germany over the Danzig area, which was like 90% German and was part of Germany before the Versailles Treaty. The reason is, is because on their team was Britain giving them a war guarantee of Polish independence. Same thing in the First World War. Uh, Belgium had a British war guarantee going back to 1839. So it's constantly, we see these smaller countries pulling in bigger countries to face off against each other. Article continues, George W. Bush's administration foolishly encouraged Georgia's President Mikhail Shakavili, last name S-A-A-K-A-S-H-V-I-L-I, to believe that his country was an important U.S. ally and that the United States and NATO would come to Georgia's rescue if it became embroiled in a conflict with Russia. Washington provided millions of dollars in weaponry to Tbilisi, the capital of Georgia, and even trained Georgian troops. Bush had also pushed U.S.-NATO allies to give Georgia and Ukraine membership in the alliance, albeit unsuccessfully. This was the time when U.S. Ambassador William Burns, the current director of the CIA, met with Sergei Lavrov, the foreign minister of Russia, and he came back and had a cable that WikiLeaks released titled Nyet Means Nyet, uh, discussed uh, provoking a potential war with Russia by expanding NATO, and uh, Lavrov said that Ukraine is basically Russia's red line, that if the U.S. tries to bring Ukraine into NATO then it's going to end violently. Carpenter continues, In August 2008, Shakavili launched a military offensive to regain control of South Otessa, one of two secessionist regions. The Georgian offensive inflicted casualties on Russian peacekeeping troops that were deployed there since the early 90s, and Moscow responded with a full-scale counteroffensive that soon led to the occupation of several Georgian cities and brought Russian troops to the outskirts of the capital, despite Washington's previous supportive rhetoric. Shakavili discovered that the United States was not willing to fight a war on George's behalf, and he had to sign a peace accord on Russia's terms. The parallels between that fiasco and current Western, especially U.S., policy regarding Ukraine are alarming. 
Washington's arms sales especially are helping to create a dangerous situation involving Ukraine. President Barack Obama apparently understood the potential for such sales to provoke Russia and trigger an armed conflict. He declined to implement the transfer of arms to Kiev, despite congressional legislation authorizing that step. Unfortunately, Obama's, successor, Obama's successors were not as wise or as cautious. Despite the pervasive canard of Donald Trump was soft on Russia, his administration executed multiple arms sales to Ukraine. In both 2017 and 2019, those packages even included sophisticated Javelin anti-tank missiles over Moscow's vehement protests. Similar generous arms sales have continued under Biden. Absolutely unreal that they can't stop uh, BLM from rioting uh, across America for a year, but they're going to stop Russia. They can't even keep Afghanistan out of the Taliban's hands for two weeks after a 20-year war, and they want to fight a war over the Donbass region, or even even all of Ukraine. They, uh, they want to risk a third world war, because it's that important that Kiev not take orders from Moscow, as though it would be so different. Kissinger, of course, can go talk with Chairman Mao, but Biden can't really talk to Putin. Uh, Putin's a bad guy. Washington and its NATO partners need to back away from their increasingly dangerous policies. The Kremlin has made it clear multiple times that it regards Ukraine as a core Russian security concern and that efforts to make that country a Western military ally risk crossing a bright red line. Adopting measures that encourage a volatile client to engage in provocations that it can't sustain if its stronger adversary responds by escalating the confrontation is egregious foreign policy malpractice. Arming Ukraine with sophisticated weaponry is a textbook example of such folly. The United States, Turkey, and Kiev's other enablers need to change course before they turn the simmering Ukrainian conflict into a conflagration. Thank you for watching Keith Knight, Don't Tread on Anyone, and the Libertarian Institute.